Well, good morning, everyone. Today is a special webinar on clearing away the clouds, where to host your programs and data. Uh, finance people are really at the core of this, whether you're in, responsible for IT or not. Uh, you're responsible for making sure that the integrity of your financial systems is working effectively. And so you need to know even where uh, Parks and Rec is uh, hosting their data and what's going on with that so that you can figure out uh, whether those receipts are being handled appropriately and, and recorded into your organization effectively. So a lot of uh, implications here for finance people, which is why uh, we focused on this particular uh, webinar today. So this is the 21st year of the uh, CSMFO uh, coaching program. It's a member benefit and uh, it's under the Career Development Committee, chaired by Laura Nomura and about a dozen volunteers that identify topics and presenters of interest uh, for the membership. We're also delighted to be welcoming uh, uh, participants from Washington State, Alaska, Oregon, uh, and Nevada. Uh, glad to have your participation in this session as well. So we're going to be looking at you know, what are the different options uh, for uh, hosting, how can you do it, what are important considerations to weigh in figuring out the right solutions for your agency, and what are some key tips in negotiating how you set up these arrangements so that you can have the security and safeguards that you need. We're very fortunate to have an excellent uh, presenter on this topic, uh, Terry Hackelman, who's the Senior Vice President of SDI Presence. Uh, he has over 30 years of experience in IT, working with uh, the public sector. He's done uh, 30 ERP procurements and over 80 municipal IT assessments, um, and uh, has negotiated uh, cloud agreements on behalf of local government agencies. Uh, so has a real uh, hands-on understanding of what are the topics from both sides of the table in dealing with uh, these issues. And uh, Karen Reed is finance director in Concord, uh, California, a population of 130,000, a big location. So she's breaking away some time from budget and labor negotiations uh, to be with us here today. She has 27 years of municipal finance experience, a CPA, um, and she uh, serves as vice chair of the program committee. So her job is color commentator today. So she's gonna help connect you with this technical information, help give some perspectives about how she's navigating this at Concord and some important things for you to be looking at on your end as you go forward. And I'm Don Maruska, the producer and moderator for the CSMFO coaching program webinars. Uh, pleased to be with you here today and helping in your learning opportunity. So we have a number of polling questions. This is the first one of six. Uh, we're always eager to see uh, how many people we have in the individual audiences. We know how many are attending. We had up to uh, nearly 100 sites registered for the session. Interested in how many people are with you. We encourage people to learn together. Maybe you pulled some of your IT people in with you or other people in your organization to participate in today's webinar. We're gonna take a look. We each leave each uh, uh, polling question open for one minute. So if you're seeking CPE credit, be sure you respond promptly. Uh, so that your uh, responses can be registered and we can satisfy the California Board of Accountancy requirements for CPE. So again, uh, I want to highlight that the materials for today's session, if you'd like to download them at another time, are available in the handouts uh, section of GoToWebinar right on your screen. They're also available uh, online 
uh, at csmfo.org uh, slash training slash webinars, and you go to the Agenda and Archives tab, and you'll see the information there. You'll be getting all that information as well uh, in an email from me after today's session. So let's take a look. Uh, we've got 82% um, of you uh, there uh, on your own, um, and another 18% uh, in, in small groups. Glad to have all of you participating today. So what we want to do here is first turn to Karen. Karen's going to sort of set this up for you, kind of what her take is about this topic, why it's important. And uh, Karen, if you would. Okay, thank you, Don. Welcome, everyone. My name's Karen Reed. I'm the Finance Director for the City of Concord. And I'm going to open it up with sharing my thoughts on why we need to know about the cloud. And what we're seeing is our world changing on the technology front. Whether we like it or not, providers are providing us with solutions that may or may not be the way we've traditionally hosted things in the past. We're seeing trends of moving away from legacy systems that are maintained in-house to more service um, approach that are hosted in the cloud. And many of our vendors are mandating that we move to this, soft, um, this SaaS approach and require the cloud hosting. We recently were forced to upgrade our ActiveNet software, which is our recreation registration software, and the approach that ActiveNet took is that they're moving to the cloud and we didn't have a choice if we wanted to continue using that registration software. So, um, so that was an opportunity that we had to take advantage of. <laughs> um, and another reason, um, some things that you'll learn from this session is how to build relationships and your agreements and contracts so that you're protecting your assets if you move to the cloud. Um, another feature, I think, of the cloud is that it helps us with disaster recovery as, and business continuity during a disaster. It's difficult to manage those things when you have an in-house environment only. And lastly, um, I'm just going to reiterate what Don shared, which is that the session is going to help us navigate the decision-making process as we review our systems and move forward into the future. Great. Thanks so much, Karen. We'll be coming back to Karen from time to time to help uh, get her interpretation and suggestions about uh, the ideas that you'll be uh, seeing applied uh, and offered by uh, Terry Hackleman. So, Terry, let me give you the keyboard control here. I'll be available to back up um, and uh, with cursor over that forward arrow, it should be good to go. And thank you so much for being with us. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Don. Uh, first of all, thank you for joining us today. Um, I'm hopeful that you'll get some uh, good quality information and certainly, uh, you know, essentially a lot of components of this presentation are essentially can operate as a checklist for as you're uh, preparing and negotiating for cloud agreements. I suspect everyone on this webinar, uh, whether you realize it or not, are probably using some form of cloud computing either personally and, and most likely uh, through your agency itself. So um, as Karen alluded to, the cloud is here. It's 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 an environment you have to learn how to manage and you have to learn how to deal with the services oriented and um, where you're relying on outside vendors versus your IT department who uh, has typically provided those systems. Um, as we go through this, uh, one of the things you'll hear me uh, talk about numerous times, probably over and over, is because you're buying services, it's more, it's becoming more and more about making business decisions related to your computing platforms 
as much as some of the technical decisions. And so what, what you're going to uh, see as we go through this is it requires a lot of collaboration between your IT team um, and, uh, and your business users because those agreements are a service level oriented type of agreement. So as we move on on the agenda today, um, uh, what I want to do is first just define the cloud in a very general sense. Um, I'll, I'll try not to get very technical. Um, I don't think we need to get very technical, but it's important for people to understand what the cloud is. Uh, and when we do from there, what we're going to do is do a little bit of pros and cons um, and look at, uh, you know, uh, the advantages, disadvantages of an on-premise, which is your traditional environment. And I'll define that a little bit. And then as well as where your uh, advantages and disadvantages are for some of the cloud solutions out there. From there, I'm gonna segue into talking a little bit about the solutions that are available out there today and talk a little bit about some of the considerations um, because as you move to a cloud computing environment, it does have an impact to how the skills and expertise that you need in your agency that changes uh, as you move into this environment. And then I'm going to close it really going through what I think are all the key elements that need to be considered in some way, shape, or form when you uh, decide that you're going to procure a cloud service and you're going to sign into a cloud agreement. Um, so we'll move on from there. Look at a technical guy having technical difficulty uh, being able to see the mouse. So the, service, the cloud service models, um, the definition that I'm going to use today is, is from the uh, National Institute of Standards and Technology. It's, a, uh, it's part of the U.S. Department of Commerce, and it's recognized around the industry to, uh, to help people define in a, in a standard way uh, what we're talking about when we're talking about in the cloud. So as you look at this, this graphic here, if we start off to the left, you know, traditionally um, agencies, in my experience, have relied heavily on on-premise. And when I say on-premise, what I mean is you uh, you select an application, um, that application you buy licenses for, that application is then uh, uh, installed on your computers within your agency, and, and your IT team typically will supply, uh, will uh, provide all the services to administer that application. The vendor's involvement is generally in just providing updates to that software and uh, providing technical support. But that, you know, if, if you were to unplug yourself from that vendor, you could still run that software. You could operate without that. And in fact, um, some agencies have made strategic decisions at, at certain points to go without maintenance on a software, but they still have the ability to run it within their infrastructure. So that's, that's the traditional model, which is how most people have bought their ERP systems, land management systems, asset management systems, utility billing systems. That's typically how it's been done historically. Now, as we move into the cloud, there's really three basic service models. Uh, the first is your infrastructure as a service. And essentially, that's uh, when you, you buy your uh, hardware, software, your computing resources um, in a cloud data center or uh, some type of a cloud environment. However, your IT team still has control over the applications, over the database. Um, so essentially, what they're doing is leasing space on, a, uh, on hardware infrastructure. Um, but you still, uh, still have a significant amount of control on being able to determine when it's backed up, how it's backed up, how it's operating, um, and how it's configured on that. And so that's the infrastructure as a service. If you move a little farther to the right, you have platform as a service. And platform as a service is really just a, a, a 
what you're doing is you're bringing actually less control with your IT and more control with the vendor. Because at this point, all you're really controlling is the application and the data. So the hardware, software, the operating system, um, all the middleware, um, all the technical components are, uh, are managed by somebody as a platform, and you're essentially putting your application and you're storing your data onto that platform itself. Um, as you notice, as I'm kind of talking from left to right on this graphic, um, what we're talking about is the control. On the left, your IT department and, this, and your agency had, uh, had significant control over all the assets to deliver that application. As we're moving to the right, you're relying on the vendor to do more and more, and therefore you have a little bit less control. So the last box to the right here is software as a service. And this is where most of us are spending our time. Um, in the software as a service, what you're doing is buying a, an and a system that's already installed, it, it's uh, already pre-configured. You may have some customization and configuration that you do on your side of it, but you're literally buying service. You're buying access uh, rights to access a system and use a system. The vendors are going to be supporting the application. They're going to be supporting the data. They're responsible for the backup. They're responsible for any performance issues related to that. So um, as Karen mentioned, uh, you know, some vendors such as uh, ActiveNet are moving towards the model where they don't sell software licensings per se anymore. What they're selling is a service, a right to use the software, and then they control the entire technology stack. And, and you access, one of the things that uh, I, I glossed over a little bit, on all three of these cloud uh, service models, your access is via the internet, um, either a, a private or public network access to it, um, and so uh, most services on these things uh, just require a standard browser. Um, uh, most people have moved away from even a, a use of a, of a thin client for this. Just to leave you with the, the formal definition of cloud, um, cloud computing is a model to, for enabling ubiquitous, convenient, on-demand network access to a shared pool of configurable computing resources that can be rapidly provisioned and released with minimal management effort or service provider interaction. As we talk through today, you're going to hear some themes coming out of this uh, NIST definition, uh, things such as on-demand. Um, I'm going to talk about shared multi-tenant versus single-tenant, what that means. Um, configurable, uh, the ability to uh, very quickly make uh, changes to that environment uh, for changes that you may need in performance um, or storage capacity or, or other uh, areas that you might need some configuration on. And then a key certainly with the cloud is the ability to rapidly deploy. And we're going to talk about that, the fact that you don't have to go through a hardware procurement purchasing because what you're doing is providing access to an already established uh, technology infrastructure. Okay, we're going to go to a polling question here because we're interested in, in targeting this conversation to you as, uh, as effectively as possible. And so knowing uh, what kind of service models you're already using um, or whether you're unsure about which uh, ones you have, uh, we're eager to know where you're at and what you're thinking about so that um, Terry and Karen can be focusing their attention on things would be of particular interest uh, to you. While that's happening, I'm wondering, uh, Karen, you know, are you finding that some of this migration to the cloud 
is not only because of where the vendors are trying to move uh, with their business models, but is it also uh, some of the challenge of getting IT people into local government given the tight labor market and the demand for them? I, absolutely. I mean, I think we're seeing when you have the in-house hosted systems, you need specialized IT services to manage those. And in our in in lot in some of our cases, we actually need application specialists to help us manage those software solutions. And so, especially in the Bay Area where we're located, it's very hard to get qualified, high quality um, IT professionals. And I do think that. A lot of agencies are using the software-as-a-service models to help sort of stretch their IT resources. Okay, let's take a look at uh, where our audience is. Uh, so uh, a thought or comment, uh, Terry, about what you're seeing in the polling results. How does this compare yeah, with some of your clients on, on the profile of mixes of, of resources they're tapping? Um, actually, it, it's, I think, fairly representative of what we're seeing. Um, uh, certainly, the software as a service, um, it doesn't surprise me that over half of the, of the uh, attendees are, are using some form or function. What I'm seeing is the, uh, the traditional on-premise um, is going to become less and less, and we're seeing the software service um, increasing. Uh, platform as a service, uh, that one surprises me a little bit. Um, but uh, but again, I think it's a it's a viable model that a lot of agencies are finding that rather than continuing to build up their data centers and their server closets, that it's easier to be able to buy the service and buy the infrastructure and have somebody manage that infrastructure so you can focus on the uh, the application layer. Um, and and sometimes that's probably I suspect related to some of the storage area network um, services that people are buying as well. So not too surprising overall. Okay. So we're going to go uh, forward here uh, to hear your discussion about the advantages and disadvantages of each of these models. All right, thanks, Don. So as we go through this, um, I, have, I have a word of caution. Um, the maturity of your IT organization uh, can dictate some of the advantages and disadvantages. So I'm going to be talking in general terms. Um, however, if you have a very mature IT organization, um, you may find areas that I indicate as disadvantages may actually be an advantage. If you're a smaller frontier, meaning a less mature, um, you're just trying to keep the lights on and, and keep the technology working, then, uh, then some of these advantages and disadvantages I think will, will resonate with you. Um, so let's, let's explore a little further into, into these. Um, it's important that you understand and, and that we have this kind of a discussion because at the end of the day, when you move to a cloud solution, you're making a business decision. Um, sure, there's a, a important and critical technology components, but you're making a business decision. And so I think it's really important for financial um, staff to understand and really recognize what is the advantages and disadvantages of these models. So I want to start out with the traditional on-premise. Um, so again, on-premise means the software is running in your, uh, your data center, your IT staff has full control of all the technology stack supporting that is responsible for backup and whatnot. A clear advantage to this is you have full control. Um, you have control of when updates are made to the system. You have control of the performance of that system. Um, 
And as we get into the, the cloud services model, you'll find that you're, you're likely going to be giving up some control. Um, and that's, a, that's an important consideration when you look at applications, because in some applications, you may determine that you need to have that full control and the cloud model may not be a viable option for you. So you have to recognize that control is there. There's also the, in the, in a traditional on-premise, you actually have software licensing and you have ownership in those rights, which means that you can use that software. You have the ability to put uh, software into escrow such that if the company that um, is delivering the software to you goes out of business, um, or they decide they're not going to uh, support that system any longer, you still have access to be able to get to the original source code so that you could theoretically still be able to operate that system. Um, so again, it this kind of ties into that control side of it. On the traditional on-premise, um, one of the other advantages is that you have more control over your operating and your ongoing uh, costs. You're able to control when you make investments into your, uh, into your technology infrastructure supporting the applications and the data uh, where your data is stored. And your obligation is really on the maintenance agreement side, which is a pretty predictable uh, um, cost stream for you to be able to look at. I also believe that there's still a distinct advantage, although this advantage is, is, is starting to change a little bit as the cloud evolves a little bit, um, a little bit further along. But the integration and the ability to integrate your, your various platforms um, on the traditional on-prem, you typically have more tools available to you. You have more flexibility in how you integrate. So the complexity is a lot less than trying to integrate uh, um, various platforms that could be located in uh, varying different types of infrastructure as well as in different geographic locations. Um, a potential advantage, and I use the term potential here, uh, is security. It depends on um, how secure your current organization is. But once again, you have control to be able to lock down and make that environment as secure as possible. Uh, oftentimes, though, that means that you're probably adversely impacting the users and making it more difficult on the users. So it's that constant battle between uh, for IT departments between having a secure a secure environment, but also allowing users to to uh, um, use the system, access the systems without a great deal of uh, of hassle. One of the other uh, advantages that I believe is is one that a lot of organizations are wrestling with as they're moving to to the cloud is you're losing in-house knowledge and expertise on your applications. If you buy that those software licenses, your IT team is involved in implementing. Uh, probably more heavily involved in configuring or managing those systems day to day. They have a fair amount of expertise. They still have to work with the vendor on the maintenance side. But what you find is you have a lot of in-house expertise on how that system runs and how that system operates. Um, and as we get into the cloud, we're going to find out that um, your IT department now becomes kind of a vendor manager um, because there's not a lot they can do. They don't control the technology uh, that's associated. Now it's a service that they're buying. So beyond ensuring that access is occurring and the internet, you don't have internet issues um, and desktop issues, there's not a lot your IT team can do. So you're relying on that vendor uh, moving forward. From a disadvantage um, is, uh, and, and I see this as a, a big driver with a lot of our clients on why they're moving to the cloud is, is your in-house IT limitations. Um, I, I've, uh, in all the agencies I've worked with, I don't think I've ever um, ran into an agency where we look at the IT projects and uh, we'd find we have more resources than we have IT projects. It's quite the opposite. There's a lot that you're expecting out of your IT. 
and typically you're uh, constrained on those resources, so you're having to prioritize. Um, and when everything's on premise, you don't have a lot of options because you're limited to those IT resources that you have. Uh, the other, uh, another disadvantage of, uh, um, uh, could be a disadvantage depending on your, your, uh, where you're at with capital is that when you have an on-premise, you're going to be making the expenditure to keep that technology up to date and current, which hopefully you can plan and forecast refreshment, replacement and upgrades and enhancements. But, uh, oftentimes, uh, sometimes things occur, uh, that require you to make some, uh, capital investments in a very quick fashion in order to, uh, uh, make sure that uh, platform is viable. That also ties into the kind of the next bullet, uh, which is the agility and scalability. Um, again, uh, it, it's sometimes a lot more difficult to be able to uh, to make adjustments to that environment, to upgrade and enhance that environment in a very quick uh, manner. Tied to the first bullet on the deployment timeline, um, oftentimes uh, resources are limited. And you need DBAs, you may need your network administrators, you may need your system administrators, application administrators. If you're relying all on your in-house staff to do that, uh, typically the deployment time is going to be a little bit slower than if you uh, turn it up into a cloud environment. Um, I'd put a, a bullet on here. Some people would probably argue with the, my bullet on customized one-off, but um, I do see a lot of the agencies uh, will get into a platform and pretty soon you're unique unto yourself. You're running that system in a way that nobody else is running it. You had customization that the vendor has done so that when it comes time to do an upgrade or it comes time to get support, um, you're a one-off organization, which really can impact your ability to, to stay current on that platform. Um, as we get into the cloud side of pros and cons, one of the things you're going to find out is that uh, single source code running this, the same system for all of their clients is absolutely critical to the, the success of that model. Uh, certainly, uh, disaster recovery and business continuity. Karen talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, for uh, um, I think uh, as you look at the into the cloud environment, you're going to find that uh, they're particularly strong on DR and, and business continuity, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. And finally, on the disadvantage is that your, your support hours are limited to your IT staff and their availability and their on-call. Um, moving into a cloud environment, you have access to a uh, extended support availability, which um, can be very nice for uh, organizations um, that, uh, like most folks on this call, that are running on a 7 by 24, uh, you know, 365 days a year. For simplicity purposes, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of the cloud models um, together. Uh, there's certainly some differences here, but I think for today's uh, and, and how we're going through today, I think, I think we can do justice by talking about software as a service, infrastructure as a service, and platform as a service, and talk about the, the advantages for that. Um, so potential uh, advantages. Um, Clearly the deployment, the ability that you're going into a, an infrastructure that's already existing, um, applications that are already uh, preloaded in, it allows you to deploy in a very, very rapid fashion. Um, and and that's, uh, that's something that we see as one of the key reasons why people are looking at the cloud. The other component of that is the agility and scalability. Sometimes you can't predict 
how your usage will be, the volume of data that you're going to have, the number of transactions that you have. Um, within the cloud environment, um, you're able to scale up uh, the performance of the of the technology, um, the amount of storage, the number of processors, the, the amount of memory, things that directly go to your users and how they how they use that system, how that system performs on their desktop. You're able to scale up very very quickly. You're also able to stay more current with the technology because what uh, what the uh, cloud solution vendors are providing is a platform that's going to stay current with technology. So from an agility standpoint, innovation standpoint you tend to uh, be able to uh, stay closer to the leading edge of the technology curve versus getting behind and then having to do a major upgrade after five years, six years, that becomes a, uh, a major deal, a major cost element as far as, and also an organizational change management. Availability and reliability, um, again, you're operating off of a, a, a cloud infrastructure, um, and for that company, those companies to survive, they have to be extremely robust um, and uh, and and really following the best practices on how to operate and manage those systems. Another significant advantage that I hear um, uh, quite often from our our clients is the uh, anywhere access. Um, if you've got a browser, um, and and uh, then you're going to be able to access those systems under whatever the security level is that you've determined there. And so you're you're no longer necessarily relying on your IT inf infrastructure to be able to access some of those systems and some of those programs. Um, the key there is security, and we'll talk a little bit more about the security. Uh, certainly in the cloud world, what I see is uh, less capital expense up front. You still have implementation costs, but you'll have less uh, on the capital side, but you're going to have an operating cost increase because what's happening is you're actually buying a service, and that service includes running that technology stack that I talked about. Um, so it's going to be more expensive than a straight uh, maintenance agreement and support agreement that you would have. Um, disaster recovery and business continuity, I've talked about that a little bit. Uh, that should be a significant advantage, um, especially from a geographic uh, dispersion, um, because oftentimes it's probably a rare case where the cloud service provider is, is actually resides within the region of where, you're, uh, uh, where your agency's at. And then uh, in-house IT dependency, um, it's, it, it's reduced, um, it's not eliminated. Some people think that if you go to the cloud, you, uh, um, you remove the need to interact with your IT. I would say that's, uh, that's not accurate. You definitely need to uh, involve your IT team, um, particularly in, in today's day and age when it comes to uh, the integration, the desktops, the security uh, that's associated with that. A couple more uh, advantages. Uh, I, I particularly, uh, this one, uh, the top bullet service level focus, I think this is a significant advantage because you're, you're entering into a services contract, um, you're going to define service levels, and you're going to manage that vendor to those service levels. Um, uh, I think that's a significant advantage because uh, if you're running it on premise, uh, oftentimes your service levels are going to be constrained by what else is happening in the city. And if you need to make a change to your system or your application, um, that may get reprioritized over another uh, activity that your IT department has to be able to uh, support as well. Um, so it's nice to be able to have a vendor that you're holding, that, uh, holding them to a service level. 
Um, there's certainly an element of pay as you go or on demand. Um, again, gives you a little bit more flexibility on the on that side of it. And getting access to expertise is uh, um, is is an area that I wouldn't uh, that I would certainly encourage you to take a look at it and see what those cloud vendors are providing. Um, because they have uh, experts on staff in the areas of security, data management, backup and recovery, and those things. Um, a lot of my clients like the fact that, you know, like a maintenance agreement um, with a software as a service um, environment, that you get a very predictive cost stream. You're not trying to understand that when am I going to have to do my next major database upgrade or replace servers. Um, that's all getting wrapped into that service cost since they're controlling the the, uh, uh, the stack. Uh, I talked about the security side of this thing, um, and I'm going to talk even more about it when we get into the uh, the agreement and the things that you need to look at. But um, you need to definitely validate, and you should expect cloud service providers to um, uh, to be able to provide a, a very high level of security and a security model that's going to continue to evolve and change because the threats that we're seeing today um, are changing daily. So you have to have a very active security posture in order to protect your systems and your data. So moving on to uh, some of the, uh, the disadvantages, uh, I think this is pretty obvious control. Um, uh, you know, the simplest uh, example I can give you is that uh, when you get into a cloud service and uh, cloud uh, software as a service environment, um, you're going to be alerted when updates are happening, and there's going to be updates happening uh, on a regular basis. Quite uh, what my experience is more frequently than you've seen in your traditional on-prem, and you're going to be given a window of time in which you have to be able to assess and evaluate and test those changes, and then they're going to happen on that cloud environment and. Um, you tend to get pulled in with everybody being updated at the same time. That's a planning issue for a lot of our clients because if you're in the middle of budget season and uh, you know you're you're using a cloud-based uh, budget system, uh, you may be in a situation where they're doing a, a major upgrade to that system while you're trying to uh, uh, trying to finalize your budget, um, and you may have limited flexibility on on changing that timeline. Um, obviously, you're, uh, at this point, you're buying a service. Your vendor dependency uh, gets even higher, uh, as I talked about with on-prem, um, on-premise, is, you know, ultimately, if that vendor disappears, you've got everything you need, theoretically, to be able to continue to use that system. You can use that system, uh, you know, go off maintenance and still use that system. Uh, in the cloud world, if that vendor fails to deliver, um, if that uh, vendor changes hands, if that vendor decides they're no longer in business, um, you've got a little bit more of a, of a challenge there because you're relying them on them for that service and you don't really have a home. So you have all, they have all your data and you're going to have to be able to figure out where you're going to either transition that to or how you're going to bring something like that in-house. Uh, for a lot of my clients, uh, they talk about multi-tenancy uh, shared as a disadvantage. Um, uh, and I, I had a lot of the systems designed, and we're going to talk about this a little bit uh, in a little bit more detail uh, in the agreement side. But you need to understand if your data is commingled, if your uh, if your uh, operating environment is commingled with other uh, other um, uh, customer data, or whether you're a standalone environment. And there's some ramifications to that. And, uh, and certainly your IT uh, professionals can help you understand kind of the pros and cons 
Um, but it's important to understand that your data in many cases on these cloud solutions is residing on the same infrastructure, sometimes within the same database as other client data. Um, I talked about the technology updates, um, but tied to that is the next bullet, enterprise versioning. As you sign into cloud services, you need to be aware that it may require your organization to revisit your refresh and update cycles on your desktops, on your desktop softwares. Uh, oftentimes, the cloud environment will dictate which versioning of a, a browser you're on, and sometimes you may lose control of being able to even access that system with older technology. So you've got to, again, really consult with your IT department when you sign into these services to make sure that you can keep your environment current with what the cloud environment's gonna drive you to. Um, I talked briefly about transition and termination. Um, I certainly don't uh, want to scare people away from this, but you really do need to think about what happens if you decide you wanna change vendor because once again, they've got all your data. You have to have a plan. You have to understand that upon termination, you know, what's your transition? Um, it, it doesn't help you if they've got all your payroll data and you don't have a home and a place to be able to process that payroll data. So you have to have some plans in place and you have to negotiate agreements with that, uh, with that in mind. We talked about loss of in-house expertise. You know, uh, for, unfortunately, your, your IT department isn't going to quite uh, know what they used to know. Um, I'm dating myself a little bit. I, I started my career as a programmer. I knew uh, all about how the system operated. I knew why it did what it did, the business rules, the workflows behind that, those processes. In today's world, your IT department just isn't going to have the insight into that um, at that level. And so therefore, they're really relying on that vendor to support that system. The last uh, bullet I wanna talk about um, is the data fragmentation and enterprise reporting. Um, the, the holy grail, so to speak, for a lot of agencies is to figure out how to get their hands around enterprise reporting. You've got data that resides in all these silos within your organization. The question is, how do I report on that? How do I look at key performance indicators across the organization? As you start selecting into uh, various cloud solution providers, what's happening is your data is residing all over the place, um, sometimes on platforms that you may not even know what is running on the back end of that platform. Um, so it can create a real challenge for uh, trying to integrate and to get to an enterprise uh, level reporting. So just before we move on to the next segment here, I want to turn to you, Karen, on uh, some insights uh, from, you know, how you've found navigating in your organization uh, these pros and cons of the, of the different service models. Do do uh, your departments have explicit discussions about those pros and cons when they're thinking about things? Is it more like everyone figures out their own thing? Or, or how, how are you uh, working through these uh, different trade-offs? And, and what would you be suggesting to your um, colleagues? Just a few brief comments, if you would. Sure. So I'd say we're not a mature IT department <laughs> in Terry's. Um, uh, discussion earlier. We're still beginning to navigate this. I think we're, maybe we're more typical than not. We're being forced into it as our systems are no longer being um, supported and we're looking at new solutions. So I would say it right now, it's probably a mix. In some cases, the departments are taking the lead, like in our registration software for recreation. Um, it's vital to their their success, so they, they really took the lead on it. But then but in hosting data and things like that, IT still primary, and, and we're still 
you know, mostly on-premise, even for some of the solutions where we've had choices, our IT department has made the choice to host it on-premise. So I think these are all issues we're grappling with right now as we move forward. And um, and so, I, you know, this is timely for me because this is information that I can then have discussions with my IT department and how we navigate it with both finance, IT, and the user departments because we're all connected. So since the tide seems to be moving towards the cloud, um, Terry's going to help uh, us understand uh, the cloud solutions and some considerations around that, and then we're going to have a particularly meaty uh, bit about how do you negotiate these agreements since you're now dealing with third parties for uh, so much of your important programming and data needs. So, Terry, carry forward, please. All right. Thank you, Don. Thanks, Karen. So. I started uh, at one point, and uh, I probably overwhelmed uh, Don with, uh, with with slides. But I started to really try to catalog, uh, you know, cloud solutions that we're seeing in, in public agencies today. The list got significant. It, uh, you know, there's a lot of name brands, a lot that uh, a lot of companies that are uh, everybody would recognize. But when you really look at, you know, I, I kind of took it from a functional perspective. Um, you know, when I look at our clients today. Uh, you know, Office 365 email, um, you know, that's a cloud-based system. Uh, many public agencies are moving their websites to a cloud-based instead of hosting their own website. We're seeing more and more finance, payroll systems um, uh, that, uh, that are now looking and, and considering moving to the cloud. The HR stack, uh, everything from learning management, training certification to hiring, recruiting, um, quite often agencies are using cloud solutions for that. Uh, we're starting to see a little more in the utility billing customer information side. Um, it, it really kind of started in my experience really with some of the online bill presentment and payment activities that are cloud-based, um, but that's certainly evolving. Um, asset management, um, which is uh, work orders, that type of thing, we're seeing a lot of expansion in that. Uh, land management, recreation that Karen talked about. Um, Business license, public safety. I, I would, if you had asked me five years ago, would uh, would anybody ever procure a cloud-based computer-aided dispatch system? I would say no. That that's never going to happen. But it's happening. Um, there are agencies now that are looking at cloud-based um, computer-aided dispatch. So the point of this slide is the cloud's creeping in, and, and virtually every software, every application that uh, city departments or utility departments um, are in. So I don't think you're getting away from the cloud. So I think it, the question that a lot of agencies wrestle with is, how, what's your position with the cloud? Are you prepared to do business in a, uh, in a cloud environment? So um, we're going to talk a little more about that before we get into agreements, because I think it's important that you understand some of the other ramifications as you make some of these cloud decisions. First and foremost, um, much like what I just mentioned with computer-aided dispatch, um, the evolution is happening very rapidly and things are being redefined. So the things that we're talking about today and the things that we think uh, are the normal today, uh, in another 12 to 18 months, we're probably going to see an evolution of that um, in ways that I'm not real sure, but it's, it's probably going to be pretty interesting to see where that will end up evolving to. I mean, the bottom line is, I, I heard somebody use the term of everything as a service, and, and that's really what's happening. I mean, the cloud is about delivering services and making it so that you're not a technology manager 
You're not having to deal with the technology stack. Instead, what you're doing is you're buying a service. And so there's a lot of examples that are coming out that are very creative. Uh, we're seeing people coming into market as security as a service. Um, uh, we're, we're seeing things where it's even as a device as a service, where you know your desktop's actually managed and you're just buying it on a per seat. There's some uh, very innovative things coming out in the smart city digital government space. So I think it's going to be, as a technologist, it's going to be fascinating to see how all this evolves. Um, I think there's going to be some challenges with it. And I think uh, I think it's important to understand the difference between being on the bleeding edge and the leading edge. Um, and making sure that you don't jump to some of these technologies too quickly until you have solid use cases and business cases to understand what it really means when you move to uh, cloud uh, models. A lot, of, a lot of times I get asked the question, well, when do we make the cloud decision? And I, I tell people that it really depends. Um, I have clients that have uh, adopted cloud first policy, which means that when possible, we're going to procure a cloud solution over an on-premise solution. I have uh, um, clients that have uh, boldly gone into, we're going to go to 100% cloud solution. And that's really kind of a planning governance discussion when you do that. The reality though, is when you go to start procuring technology um, and you start looking at the project planning and you start looking at your requirements and developing uh, the requirements for the RFP, you're probably going to get into that discussion today. If you are going to go to a cloud solution when you procure and that's all you're going to consider, that's going to impact the requirements that you put in your RFP. If you're going to consider the best solution out there, whether it's on-premise or cloud, that's going to impact your requirements in your RFP. What you have to be aware of is if you, if you decide that you're going to look at both on-prem and cloud solutions um, together in an evaluation uh, in response to your RFP, you need to consider your, your evaluation criteria and your process for that selection. Um, and I, I would recommend that you really strongly consider that before you release that RFP. It's sometimes very difficult to make a, a traditional evaluation comparison where you're trying to really drive everybody to apples to apples. It's sometimes very difficult to do that with an on-prem and a cloud-based system. Um, and so it does make your, uh, your selection process a little more uh, complex when you're trying to uh, decide between vendors that are providing uh, the options. And sometimes vendors will provide both options. They'll price out an on-prem and a, a hosted or a, a what they'll call as a, a cloud solution. So the, the important thing though is I, I try to encourage people is that we're really moving towards, um, you're really moving towards a hybrid environment. And to say we're going to do everything cloud, um, while that might be a strategy, the reality is in order to meet the needs of your users to provide them the best functional, the best in class solution, sometimes you may decide on-prem is the right solution to use. Um, and other times, as, as Karen mentioned, your option for that, uh, for that department Maybe the only option is a cloud, so you have to have flexibility to, uh, to handle that as well. One of the challenges that we're seeing uh, uh, IT staff in particular and department staff to a certain extent um, is being impacted by the movement to the cloud. Your IT department is becoming more service brokers, manage, you know, management of services, um, and so they're uh, helping be the liaison and facilitate, but they're 
quite frankly, have less control over uh, over getting hands-on and being able to fix your issues and, and address your service levels. Instead, they're having to manage those vendors to do that. It's putting a greater importance on your IT staff on cybersecurity. And if you uh, if you haven't uh, if you haven't taken a strong position in cybersecurity, if you don't have policies and training in place, and and you don't have solutions in place from a cybersecurity I would certainly encourage you to take a close look at that before you start moving into a cloud environment. What I am seeing is that as you purchase cloud solutions, the departments um, tend to have a higher buy-in and more ownership to that. And primarily because if the departments have uh, a, a reasonably uh, um, uh, staff with reasonable technical aptitude, um, sometimes they can actually manage those applications with that cloud vendor with little or no involvement from IT. So what that does is it helps the departments really buy in and feel like it's their system versus um, feeling like it's IT system uh, that's being forced upon them. Um, what we're also seeing is that the, on the agility and resiliency is that um, because the cloud solution providers are probably providing a, a service level that um, oftentimes can exceed what you can do with your internal staff, um, because of the constraints that you have with your internal staff. We're seeing it's putting a little more pressure on the IT staff because people are accessing these systems around the clock on weekends. And if they're having problems with the system, there's still a real desire to dial out to your IT, you know, versus a traditional on-premise where we don't see people uh, being quite as active away from the office on this. Um, I talked already about kind of the vendor portfolio management role. Um, and then the organizational change management that's happening, and I really put this onto the, de uh, the departments themselves, because um, what you're finding is the departments have to be much more active in the application of these cloud solutions, and somebody's gotta uh, own that organizational change management function. Um, and sometimes IT isn't in position to be able to do that uh, the way they may have done in the past. Other roles that we're seeing is we're seeing that uh, the IT departments are migrating into more of a management um, uh, I should say, into more of a consultative type of capacity. Suddenly, as you cut down your number of databases because you're buying services, you may not have as many DBAs. You may not have as many network admin. Um, you may have less applications. You probably are going to start seeing very few programmers left. But there's still roles that have to be performed. And what we're finding is the IT staffs are maturing into the more consultative roles of things like project management, integration, um, looking at architecture, uh, looking at business process and analytics. So um, what we're seeing as the people move to the cloud is that you're seeing that your IT uh, staff is in a position to take on some more valued, uh, and I would call it, I would contend the high value uh, activities that a lot of cities and, and utility agencies are seeking out of their IT department. Okay, we're gonna go to a polling question here. So interested in seeing where you are in your activities around cloud services and what's happening for you so that we can further uh, hone in the remaining time in this webinar on, on the issues and circumstances that might be relevant to you. Uh, I'm wondering, Karen, as you're thinking about all this, it, it sounds like there's really a shift in the, in the nature of the skill sets and, and probably even the types of people that would be hired into the IT function or maybe some of what was IT sort of migrates into an administrative services department or something, if it's all this sort of 
vendor management kind of thing and, and organization change management? Is that, that going to change who you need and uh, and where this sits in organizations as it matures in its uh, implementation? I believe so. Um, I you know we're just starting to kind of think about this and and really starting to bring our systems into a modern day um, environment and and having to decide whether we're going to go with a service or try and continue hosting it and and we're losing a lot of the expertise, especially on the business system side to I think effectively manage it internally. So I do think that we'll be exploring more of these software solutions and we're going to need the support from people to help us with the business system side, especially on the, on the process and change management side, because um, we need to start thinking differently than the way we currently think. Um, and so I think it, it, we will need a different skill set than what we've traditionally looked for in our IT department. Okay. Well, wow, it looks like from the uh, polling results here that uh, this is a really live set of issues. So our audience here is, is clearly kind of grappling with the topics that you've been uh, putting forward, Terry, and the perspectives that you've been sharing, Karen. So um, any, any quick comment that you wanted to offer about what you're seeing in this? Is this sort of similar to what you, what you see in, in your day-to-day -day work experience, Terry, with different agencies? or? How, how would you help our audience sort of calibrate themselves with their colleagues out there? Yeah, I, I really like the the use of your polling because it does really help um, help me see kind of where people are wrestling with issues. And you know, certainly uh, I, there isn't anything here that surprises me. But um, you know, a, a subject we touch on today and and um, that that may be something that uh, those listening really need to get a focus on is really the governance. I mean, you know, the differing views internally, you know, just starting to think about this, um, you know, these need to be enterprise decisions. And um, I think, you know, the finance, um, you know, specializes in dealing with enterprise, uh, um, driving enterprise initiatives. So there, there's probably a real opportunity with a lot of agencies to, to really start looking at from a pure cloud policy so that you get in front of this issue versus just kind of letting it happen, which is, you know, letting departments start buying cloud solutions without a real architecture or design um, or even, you know, security requirements on what you're going to accept. Okay. Well, uh, we're moving on now to the important issues of, okay, how do you fashion agreements that uh, help address the challenges, the advantages and disadvantages that you've been hearing? Uh, to uh, serve your agencies effectively. So this is an important uh, set of topics here. Uh, please press on, Terry. Okay, okay. So yeah, at the end of the day, uh, you're uh, you, uh, you're gonna you've made the decision. You're moving to a cloud, and I'll, I'll really focus more towards SaaS here. Um, certainly with the with IT uh, on the platform and infrastructure as a service, there's some other elements I would put into that, but. I didn't want to get into the very deep technical components. So um, for these considerations moving forward, I put a lot of focus really on what you would expect if you're buying a software as a service. So if you're going to move your ERP to the cloud, if you're going to uh, um, move your payroll system to the cloud, these are things that I think you really need to have. And I think what you're going to see that you've heard me talk about before is it's a mix of technical and business decisions. Um, to get to a really solid cloud agreement, it's really going to require your IT 
uh, leadership and department leadership to really collaborate because you have to have input. One of the other things that's really important about agreement considerations that I'm going to talk about here is um, is balancing cost. Um, you know, it it the the tighter your service levels are, um, the more more onerous your security requirements are, the more onerous your DR uh, your disaster recovery is. Obviously, that all comes with a cost. So one of the things you have to be aware of as we talk about some of these considerations is. You can ask for the moon, but you're going to end up paying a lot to get there, and you're going to have to balance it and say, what data is being stored in this cloud solution? Um, what's the appropriate responsible level um, and, and the terms that should apply to that? Um, obviously, I, I talked about computer-aided dispatch. The security requirements around that might be a lot different than what you would expect off of a uh, uh, off of a platform that might be a customer relationship management um, uh, platform. So moving forward, um, I started to uh, to kind of put my uh, my thoughts on this into a kind of a, a priority basis, and I kind of came to the conclusion that everything's important in, in these agreements. Um, I've already talked about the fact that uh, some of the things we're going to talk about here are our uh, business decisions, and others are technical decisions. Um, and quite frankly, the best decision probably requires the collaboration of both uh, both tech and the, and the business folks. What you have to remember is you're buying a service. So software as a service is um, your focus has to be on service levels, has to be on what you expect as the end product, with probably less focus on some of the things that you traditionally would focus on in a, a traditional licensing environment, um, a, an on-prem environment. One of the other things is it's really important that you have an enterprise focus. If you sign into a cloud agreement that um, that forces you on a technology refresh cycle, a an upgrade cycle, um, or requires um, expertise within your agency uh, that you don't have, you're going to have a problem. So. Um, even though a lot of uh, you know a lot of departments think that I'm going to go out and buy this cloud solution, I don't need to talk with my IT department. While that might work for you, there there's a likelihood that you're going to uh, you're going to find later you're going to have to come back and talk to your IT department because you may decide you need to integrate to other platforms, or your IT department implements new security um, processes um, to address threats, and that could adversely impact how you use the uh, cloud service, uh, how you access the cloud service provider. Um, and much like the cloud, what I'm seeing is that the general terms and conditions are evolving and changing. Um, even vendor agreements, uh, some of the agreements I've been involved with where uh, have evolved with the same vendor have evolved pretty significantly in, you know, in the last year to two years. So uh, much like the cloud um, and where it's going, I think even the agreement terms are going to uh, continue to evolve. So let's talk about the things that need to be in your cloud agreement and the discussion that you need to have uh, with your agency. Uh, first and foremost is security. And this is where you're probably really going to need to rely on your IT department to help you understand the, the security side. But you're, uh, you have to recognize that your data is no longer in your data center. It, it is located somewhere um, somewhere out off the off the uh, um, uh, out in the cloud, so to speak, and so you have to from security, you have to have uh, an awareness that your data is transferring and moving over a network, that your data is sitting in a database somewhere um, that could be commingled with other 
agency data or other customer data, um, and that your backup data is sitting somewhere, um, and hopefully not in the same building as the primary data center. So the, the security side of this is really important. In addition, you've got to decide, um, you know, it is HIPAA, um, is our high-tech requirements. Um, you know, you got to look at the ISO standards. You've got to really look at what you expect, and your IT teams really, really needs to help you navigate through those issues. Um, data ownership. Uh, it's really important that in your agreement, it's made very clear that your agency owns all of that data and your rights to that data. In addition, um, the restrictions for how your cloud service provider can use that data. Uh, you don't want to remain silent on that. You want to make it very clear that you have ownership of that data and their right to use that data is, is limited only to the extent of supporting your business, um, that they can't be using that data for statistical analysis or for other uh, means that might be uh, uh, moving their uh, business development efforts forward. Um, data encryption. Um, encryption's a, a key element. Um, uh, you got to think about encryption. Uh, I'm being a little overly simplistic here, but you've got to you've got to think about encryption in two ways. One is um, is your data encrypted when it's going over the internet? Um, that's important because especially if you're relying on a public uh, the public uh, internet to be able to uh, um, move your data from your your site to uh, to the cloud provider. So when it's in when that data is in transit, you want to know that it's being encrypted and it's protected um, so that somebody can't uh, uh, steal that data there. You also want to know if it's encrypted on the back end when it's sitting in the database um, within that uh, technology um, uh, infrastructure and within that data center. Um, a lot of times people will refer to it as rest. Is it encrypted when the data is at rest? Again, I would encourage you um, to, uh, to seek encryption on both in transit and at, uh, at rest because it helps protect you from uh, uh, the next bullet, which is data breach. On the data breach side, uh, public agencies have uh, very distinct requirements and there's financial ramifications when it comes to uh, data breach and notification. You need to make sure your agreement with those vendors are uh, allow you to meet those requirements. Um, and where I'm going with that is if they have a data breach, they need to have a, a clear requirement to notify you in a timely fashion and keep you up to date with what they're doing and the extent of that data breach. Um, if, if it's silent and you don't talk about it, they could have a data breach and you may read about it on the Sunday morning paper and recognize that that's my vendor, why haven't they called me and told me that my data uh, potentially uh, was hacked and, and uh, um, used by uh, outside agencies. When it comes to integration, um, it's, it's sometimes an afterthought, but uh, for, uh, for people that are buying the cloud solutions, but we have to realize that we're all moving towards an integrated uh, enterprise reporting um, mindset, um, being able to have uh, dashboards that allow you to make business decisions across all your data and all your environment. Um, it's important to understand what your integration rights are, how you integrate. Within a cloud environment, um, sometimes that can be very restrictive because you very unlikely that you're going to be able to get direct database uh, connection, which on an on-premise system Oftentimes, if you wanted to, you could uh, your IT folks could actually connect to the database directly and be able to uh, 
integrate in ways that in the cloud world, you're probably not going to be allowed to. So you'll hear terms like API, application programming interface. You'll hear terms like web services. Again, this is an area that uh, um, uh, the business and the technical staff really have to collaborate to make sure that you've got the ability to, to be able to integrate and uh, extract and, um, and report on it, that data outside of just the web application itself. Earlier, uh, I talked about termination and transition. Um, I, I think you have to run some scenarios when you're negotiating these agreements. And, you know, it, uh, um, you, have to, you have to kind of be honest with yourself. What happens if this vendor gets procured or, or, or gets acquired and the person that acquires them decides they're no longer going to be in this business? Um, how, what's your transition? How much time do you have? If I'm relying on uh, an ERP vendor for all of my ERP, um, you know, I better make sure that I've got enough notification that if they decide they're not going to be in this business any longer, that I've got time to figure out where I'm going to move to because you're not going to be able to do that in a 60 to 90 day period for these complex systems. It's going to require months. And so you need to consider that so that you've got protection in your agreement. You also, on the transition out, you want to make sure that you've considered what um, what it is that the vendor is going to support. Because again, remember, they've got all your data and you've got to have the processes in place to support the transition of that data. What format will that data be coming into you so that you get it in a usable format so that you can find the new home for that data and you can, you can get there uh, without a great deal of effort. Um, I definitely encourage you to look at data storage. You need to ask the question, most public agencies uh, tend to say uh, continental U.S. Um, and you have to ask on the data storage, not only on the primary site, but any secondary or backup sites. Um, it's, not un it's not unusual where a backup or a uh, the DR site could be located outside of the U uh, continental U.S. Um, and that's something that as an agency, you've got to decide whether you're willing to uh, to live with that or not. And you need to have that called out in the agreement. If not, um, you know, again, it's not on premise. You don't, you can't walk into the data room and see your servers and see your databases. Um, you know, your data could be any, you know, if you're in an Amazon world, your data could be anywhere if you don't, uh, put some restrictions about where it is. Um, within the cloud agreement world, um, as you're, as you're negotiating these agreements, you need to have a real clear understanding of when upgrades and new releases and the processes around that. How much notification do you get? Um, uh, can you stop an upgrade? If, uh, if they're doing an upgrade and you start doing your user acceptance testing and you're having significant issues, can you stop that? Or do you have to accept workarounds? Um, there's a real push towards making sure that there's a single source that everybody's using within these cloud systems um, so that uh, they can manage across all of those in, a, in the most efficient way possible. And sometimes what that means is, you may get drug along on upgrades and new releases on timelines that you're not entirely comfortable with. So if you've got challenges in that way, you certainly want to put, uh, uh, put things into the agreement that help give you a little bit more control in that area. On disaster recovery, um, uh, it, your, uh, your agreement needs to identify what that means. Um, you need to understand what's the recovery time. So if the primary data center comes down and the system becomes unavailable, um, you know, how long do they have to recover that system? And again, the DR side is directly impacted by your business impact uh, analysis, 
analysis that you have. So what you might have for a, a payroll system um, that may be different than what you would have for a work order management system. Um, so you need to consider that side of it. Um, audit, having some kind of audit clause in there, your ability to audit and assess what they're doing and, and ensure that they're, they're living up to the agreement. Another thing that oftentimes gets overlooked is, uh, I'm using the term instances, but you know, we can call those, uh, you know, uh, systems. Um, typically in an on-prem system, you can probably create as many instances as your IT department can, especially in a, in a virtualized world as your IT department can spin up. So I can have my production environment. I can have my test environment. I could have a training one, a training two. Um, I could have a development environment. Well, when you get into the cloud world, all those environments come at a cost. And so you need to be real clear on when you're buying it, what am I getting for an environment? And then you've got to take it a step further. If I want to uh, refresh my test environment with my current production data, what's the process for two, uh, for that. Can I do that 10 times a month or is there a cost to do that? So you've got to, again, some of these things that we've taken for granted with your IT staff being able to do on an on-premise system. Now that you're buying a service, you're paying for that service and you have to understand the ramifications for that. I think it's really important in the cloud agreement world to understand um, whether your, your data is going to be co-mingled, uh, meaning a multi-tenant environment, or whether your your data is going to be uh, separated and segregated from other client data. Um, that could change your security posture. That certainly could change the encryption and what you're willing to accept on the encryption side. Um, again, I think your IT professionals can help you kind of navigate through that component. One of the other things that I, I really uh, encourage you to consider when you look at these agreements is your in-house staff roles and the skills that you've got. Um, and make sure that if you're buying a service, um, that you're, you're buying a service that aligns with the skills and the, and the capacity you have with your IT team so that you don't end up in a cloud environment and all of a sudden your reporting platform is something that your in-house staff doesn't have expertise for because um, you may find that you're going to get a change order or have to buy additional services from that, uh, that cloud provider. And the last component is documentation. Um, uh, Documentation is necessary, it, it's important, and it's critical, and if you don't call it out, you know, it may be all online documentation, or um, uh, you may find that you don't have the level of documentation you're accustomed to uh, with your premise system. As we've talked about, these are service level agreements um, that you're entering into, so as part of that, you, you need to dictate what the availability of that system is, you need to dictate the performance level, what's the response time, um, you know, when, when I as a user uh, hit enter, um, I, I expect a certain level of performance. You need to dictate backup and recovery time. You need to consider growth and expansion and what that means, um, data security and upgrades. So we've talked about all these things and you really have to turn these things into service levels. And on your pricing side, um, which is uh, sometimes the toughest part to negotiate on these agreements, there needs to be ramifications for failure to meet those. Are you going to get service credits? Um, you know, do you get reduced fees? I mean, what, are, what is the ramification for those service uh, levels not being met? And that's an area that, uh, you know, it can get uh, pretty edgy in the negotiations, but you need to push. There needs to be some incentive um, and some ramification um, for those vendors to ensure that they're meeting these service levels that you just agreed to. 
Okay, so we have another polling question here because we're um, interested in finding, you know, what are the things that you think are important, to, especially important to your agency at this juncture uh, about uh, dealing with these different topics? And I've just uh, selected a, a number of different categories uh, by the limitations of the polling process here, not all the things that you could see from um, the extensive list that Terry's been sharing with you. Uh, but but a number of them. And while this is going on, I'm wondering, uh, Karen and Terry, what are your thoughts about actually one of the potential advantages of the cloud, which is that, uh, you know, there's a big push on trying to get comparisons of performance across uh, local government agencies. But the challenge is, you know, how do you get data that's sort of apples to apples? Are you seeing any uh, advantages coming through the cloud of, of people offering opportunities to you know, benchmark how you're doing against the, you know, other users in the user group or et cetera, or things that could be advantages in, in having this data not just resident on your own location, but up in the cloud where somebody could be doing analyses like that? Karen, uh, I've got some thoughts, but if you want to go first. Well, I can, I, so I would say that I don't have a lot of experience in this area. I can see the potential for it. Um, we do have sort of a hybrid version of our business license um, software that we that they can use that um, to help give us some statistics around across different agencies. Um, but I haven't seen it wildly um, popular in practice yet. Yeah, I would uh, I would I would echo that. I, I could see the evolution, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, and I honestly think we're we're a ways from that, um, but but I think that you know that's certainly a potential. Okay, um, and it looks like from the survey results here uh, that uh, basically the uh, audience is following more or less the priority order that uh, you were outlining in your uh, presentation, Terry. So I think they've been playing uh, paying close attention to you. Uh, thank you for your good work. We're going to move now to some final thoughts from, from Terry, and then uh, very importantly, we're going to be going to some key takeaways that Karen's going to offer to you as a way to kind of focus all this information into some key things that each of you can be doing in your finance roles in local government to uh, help uh, manage these uh, challenging issues effectively. So, Terry, a few thoughts from you, and then we want to turn okay. to Karen. Perfect. I'll, I'll be uh, I'll be brief here. Um, and and by the way, on that poll, I, I'm uh, I'm happy to see that focus on security because even though you may be using an outside vendor, if you have a data breach, your constituents in your business um, won't accept that your vendor messed up. They're going to look at you as the one that uh, that uh, let them down. So security is critical. So closing comments. Um, first and foremost, I didn't really talk about this, but I think it's really important. Um, a lot of times people, because of the speed of deployment, feel like they can very quickly select a system and implement a system. I would tell you to be very, very careful. There's a reason you do requirements analysis. There's a reason that you look at organizational change management, and there's a reason you go through a procurement process. So while the cloud can deploy quickly, be careful if you take shortcuts, because um, chances are you probably will not have done all the analysis you should have to meet your success criteria. Uh, you've heard me talk today. Cloud is a department and an enterprise decision. And sometimes departments don't like when I say this, but if you're going to, if I'm uh, in public works and I'm going to uh, 
uh, use a cloud-based uh, work order management system, um, I could very well do that without my IT or anybody in the enterprise um, uh, knowing that I'm doing that. But there's enterprise ramifications that we've talked about today. So um, just because a department wants to move to a cloud, um, it really needs to be uh, socialized within uh, the, the overall organization to make sure that uh, you're doing what's proper. You must consider the internal uh, technology infrastructure requirements. Um, things like internet connection. Do you have redundant internet connections? If my only ask, way to access my data is, is via the internet and I lose my internet connection, um, I'm gonna have a real problem. And so as you rely on cloud, your, your IT team has got to look at some of the technology infrastructure and make sure it's in place to support that service model, including your desktops and your, your enterprise software. Um, finally, I, I'd like to say that, uh, you know, I think the real model that's going to evolve out of this is I think it's going to be a hybrid model. I think, uh, I think what we're seeing is even uh, the most advanced agencies, um, there are times you're going to want to run those systems and you're going to be most comfortable with those systems being an on-prem. There are other times you're going to decide the cloud is the best way of going. So as you look and develop your IT policy, um, and, and your position for what your IT uh, or cloud strategy is for your agency, I'd really encourage you to, to think from a hybrid standpoint because for the foreseeable future, that's really where I think agencies are going to be at. And finally, if you don't have a cloud policy, hopefully out of what we've talked today, this is a, a good time for your agency to pull together and, and really decide what the cloud means to you, how you want to handle it, um, what kind of terms and conditions you expect out of uh, any of the departments that move to a cloud system. Okay, uh, we have a, a question that's come up. I'm gonna hold it till later because I wanna be sure that we have time for Karen on this. Why don't you introduce our audience to a couple of the online resources that you've got available there, Terry? Sure. Let me, uh... so I've put a couple sites on here. Um, the state of California has uh, has put a lot of thought into the terms and conditions, and they have their standard um, uh, cloud computing agreement. Uh, so I would encourage you uh, to look at that. You heard me refer to uh, NIST today. Um, I, I would recommend that you go out. There's a pretty short primer that kind of talks about the cloud, goes into a little more detail than I did today. But I think it's written, uh, you know, you don't have to be a techie to be able to uh, to interpret it. So. I think that's a great resource, and certainly your IT folks are going to be looking at things related to high-tech, HIPAA, ISO, and, and other standards. I didn't put those in because I figured that's really more of a technology guys that are going to be uh, taking a look at those kind of sites. Okay. So one of the questions we did get in, and if you could answer it just very quickly, uh, was a question of uh, saying, you know, agencies, cities don't have that much uh, leverage with cloud vendors, at least that's the perception of, of this questioner. Uh, how do you suggest we uh, twist their arm? And I'm wondering, you know, are, are things like the standards that the state has, uh, things that people can point to and say, hey, we want those standards or something that, you know, gives them a little more muscle in the negotiation? That's a, that's actually an insightful observation. And, and I, I, I would agree with the, the, I mean, part of the challenge that you have is you're adopting a, uh, you know, you're adopting a service model that's been designed for everybody. And, um, consequently, it gets very difficult to have the flexibility to negotiate the kinds of terms and conditions you could when you were running the software on your premise. 
Um, you know, I, I think, you know, organizations like CSMFO and MESAC and others can continue to have an impact. I think, you know, the state of California and their cloud strategy is trying to get in front of that to set those standards. Um, but, it, you know, it's an accurate statement. It, it, it's a little frustrating when you negotiate these because getting terms and conditions you're accustomed to, um, quite frankly, sometimes you can't get them and you've got to make a business decision on whether you're going to accept that or not um, or move on to another vendor. So. Um, okay. it, it's a little bit of a wild, wild west out there on some of these terms and conditions right now. Okay. I've noticed a couple of things in CSMFO that may be helpful to people. Um, one is I, I see that there are some user groups that, that form around particular technologies and, uh, and uh, programs and services, and sometimes you can get to leverage the user groups. And I know that we've also, uh, CSMFO members put up on the website, um, you know, sample RFPs, sample agreements that they've had, things like that. So there's a lot of sharing that happens so that you can see, you know, who, who's able to kind of move the dial and get things working effectively here. So uh, thanks so much, Terry. We want to go forward to uh, Karen here. Uh, and Karen, what are your key takeaways for us? And we've got uh, two final polling questions here we want to get to and some other information to share. So I'll go through these quickly. Um, these are my thoughts on how we can be successful moving into the future. And so I think it's really vital to collaborate and partner with your IT resources to expand your options as well as to find the best solution. I know oftentimes people feel like they've had solutions dictated to them either by the user group, by the users, or by um, IT. And I think we have to break through that and actually begin more collaboration with one another. And you know, my second bullet point is to try to avoid having the solution and and holding firm to that because we need to broaden our our reach so that we can find the best solution. And if we dig our heels in, then that's not going to help us um, move forward and get the best solution for the organization. And I think what is important is to. Because I find for myself in, in finance, having a separate IT department, I feel a little distant from the maintenance of our systems. So I think it's important to obtain and maintain an inventory of what your systems are and what version you're on and where that falls within the life cycle of the product. We tend to, um, at least in my organization, and I think others are similar, that we tend to wait until we're forced, like what we did with our ActiveNet software. We wait until the last possible minute to update and it, it's not the most efficient use of our resources. And so I think it's important to know where you are and then partner with IT so that you can plan for your updates and replacements, whether it's you know within the cloud or on premise. Um, and I think as part of that, you know, I think any solution you have to be mindful of the integrations. We have a, a land management system through Acela and our financial software is through Infor and they don't talk well to each other right now, and that's with an on-premise solution. And so for us to move either one of those into a, a cloud-hosted or service environment will make it more difficult for those integrations, I believe. Um, I don't have control of it. Do I have control? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and so just to the final thoughts is I really um, echo Ter um, Terry's comments about change management. You really need to open your mind to adapt your processes to the new technology solutions. You, you, um, to the extent that you can eliminate or limit customizations because that will make it harder, sorry, um, for you to update and, and be successful in a cloud environment. 
and the change management piece for your users, it's really important to get them involved early on. Um, I think that it's worthwhile going through the process of documenting your processes, mapping them, and finding a most efficient solution so that you, when you put in these new technologies, you're creating efficiencies in ways that you may not have thought of before. We have um, contract management where every touch point between every touch point, our city clerk has to touch it. So we're, so they see the same contract four or five times before it's finally executed. So we're implementing an electronic contract management system where it will be workflow that will drive it. And so the city clerk will only see it at the beginning and the end. So thinking through how you can incorporate things like that into your organization so that you can take advantage of these new um, solutions and, and help be more efficient. That wraps up my comments. Okay, great. Thank you so much. So let's go to a polling question here. Uh, Karen's offered you a number of uh, ideas uh, about uh, how you can move forward. Uh, interested in having you uh, check off as many as you think would uh, you'd like to recommend to your agency to move along. Um, and what I'll also be doing here is we'll be having a uh, final polling question after this with regard to um, what are some of our uh, key uh, learnings from today's session that you'd like to uh, take forward and, and uh, use uh, successfully. So it sounds like that inventory would be a great place to start. If you had an inventory, then you could begin to work up a policy because you know what you're working with and where you're starting. Is that, is that part of your idea? That absolutely is. I mean, like I said, we... I don't know where we are within the life cycle, or if we're current on our systems or not. I know some of them that we're not current on, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. but I don't know the whole inventory. So that's part of taking that enterprise view, that, that whole agency view, if you will, that uh, Terry was uh, suggesting earlier. Okay, let's, let's see uh, what resonated for our audience here amongst the suggestions that you were sharing. Um, Wow, uh, lots of uh, people aligning with uh, things uh, that you're talking about, especially that proactive planning. I think you really got that message home uh, from your own examples, uh, Karen. That was great. Uh, thanks for doing that. Uh, so let's take a look at a few final items here. Um, there's some post-webinar discussion questions. So it's important not only, you know, a lot of information came to you today. The important thing is what, what do you do with it in your agency? So it's really worth taking a few minutes after this uh, session uh, to talk about these questions. And that's why we always provide the post-webinar discussion questions. So you can uh, be thoughtful about that. Say, hey, what do we want to do about this? Who do we need to involve? How do we put this, these good ideas into action for ourselves? Uh, there's the contact information for our presenters uh, and for myself. Always interested in your ideas. And uh, our final polling question here is one on uh, how the webinar was of value for you and your agency. And we're always interested in how uh, we've done in trying to serve your needs effectively. Uh, so click off as many as uh, you gained value for for yourself or or for your agency. It may be you knew a lot of this stuff, but it's helpful to have it available in the webinar and in a form that you can share with other people in your organization. Because as you've heard, it's going to take moving your organization 
forward in this area for you to really come up with the best solutions. And I was really intrigued uh, by the comments from both Terry and Karen about how this may be an ever more important role for finance. You may, finance may need to step forward because you're the logical integration point for many of these things, especially when it becomes you know, managing vendors, uh, looking at uh, you know, the security of data, handling relationships with uh, other organizations, et cetera. Uh, there, there's some great opportunities for uh, finance to step forward and offer its expertise in, in these kinds of environments. So let, let's take a look at the different ways that uh, came out here um, in this final polling question. Uh, so we can see that people got a lot out of um, all three of the areas that we were seeking to um, uh, serve on today's uh, session. So thank you all for um, your participation in today's webinar. Thank you for our, our presenters. Let me just get to a couple of final things. If you're looking for materials, this is where they are. You'll get, also get in the email that will be going out to you in the next 24 hours, the information uh, that's here on the slide so you don't have to jot it down. Uh, we have upcoming webinars, uh, two uh, great ones, one on strategies to manage uh, pension costs and another on accounting and reporting for debt. Uh, excellent presenters on those. Those are available for you. They're up on the um, CSMFO calendar and notices are going out along the way. So with that said, I want to uh, thank uh, Terry Hackelman uh, for a wonderful job in giving us an encyclopedic view in a short <laughs> time of the issues involved in looking at the cloud. And Karen, thank you so much for your thoughtfulness in sharing with your colleagues how to you're grappling with these issues and your advice for your own agency and your and for them on how they can be successful. So this is Don Maruskin on behalf of the CSMFO coaching program. Thank you all for joining us today and thank you for all the work that you do in helping your agencies be successful. Have a great day.